Welcome, everybody. It is me. It is the Cyber Warrior. This is Cyber Warrior Studios presents Security Happy Hour. As always, we have an amazing episode planned. It's going to be an awesome night. We've got the author of Linux Basics for Hackers here. So I hope you're ready. I hope you're prepared. And truly, truly, I hope you have a drink. And we're back. And hey, so with me as always, I have my partner in crime, my friend, my brother, my co-host, and my comedic relief, Eric. El Senor Jefe de Seguridad. I still can't pronounce that last one, but it's okay. Eric, how's it going, brother? Hello, everybody, and welcome to another security happy hour. Um, it's been an awesome week. A lot of stuff to talk about. A lot of stuff. And I'm so happy that Occupy the Web is here. And we're going to be talking about his books and all the stuff that he's been doing and the stuff that he's coming up with. So I'm really, really excited. So let's get to it. Yeah, definitely. So as Eric said, as I stated earlier, we have Occupy the Web. Now, Occupy the Web is the author of Linux Basics for Hackers. He all, which actually I've been doing videos on every week, minus this week I took a break. Um, and he has another new book coming out. So we will discuss those and we will also be talking about cyber war. But before we get started, Occupy the Web, how's it going? How you been? And what's going on? Hey, thanks for inviting me. It's good to be here. <laughs> he can be called Occupy Happy Hour for today. Occupy <laughs> Happy Hour? All right. That, that works for me. <laughs> So, so man, I got to ask, you know, when, when you first signed up to be on, so I asked you, you signed up, the primary topic was just your book, which me and you had discussed because I've been doing videos on it. Right. But then we had talked a little bit on Twitter, I think it was last week, um, as I was getting ready to build the template and everything for the thumbnail. And uh, you, you said something about wanting to talk about cyber war and kind of what's going on overseas and, and the things going on with that so where's well, cyber warrior start? studios <laughs> it's right. cyber warrior studios let's talk about cyber war and the cyber all right. all right all right so so let's start off so before we get into your books because that's going to be another amazing conversation let's talk about the cyber war because there is a lot going on now There's we do have a lot in. going on here as always um, but between Ukraine and Russia and just going like the, the back and forth goings on, what's your take on it? Well, you know, it's been going through various phases. And when it first started, uh, we launched a massive DDoS attack against Russia and basically shut down the internet in Russia for about a month. We shut down their stock market, we shut down most of their government sites, we shut down many of their business sites. Uh, we totally saturated their internet um, for about a month, five weeks. We kept everything down. Um, you know, and now that they have responded to that, it's become more uh, targeted in terms of how we're going after Russia and they're going after us. I mean, I am a target of the Russian hackers every day. We are going after their industry. They're coming after Ukraine's industry and the West's industry. Um, so it's kind of an ongoing 
you know, just like the kinetic war, it's been has been taking place between Russia and Ukraine. It's kind of a slog right now, where everybody's kind of just stalemating each other with uh, their weapons. Uh, but we have had an impact upon Russia, particularly in the early stages. Now we're kind of just trying to disrupt their uh, economic. Uh, uh, picture their industry by slowly throwing wrenches, you know, cyber wrenches into their into their workings, um, into their industry to make it more difficult for them to conduct war. And so, so how, I, how how effective have you guys been on their OT networks? Uh, well, we've been, you know, we've, we've basically have made it difficult. We don't, we're not in the, we haven't been shutting down entire, um, operations. We've been basically making them not run properly. <laughs> okay. Um, we have shut down a few things. We've shut down a few companies, a few operations, but generally what we're trying to do is to just make things not work properly. All right. And, and and it raises questions and it raises increases the amount of resources that they need to to um to solve our attacks constantly to their industry. So basically we're we're, we're forcing them to divert resources to protecting their industry um, as we're constantly attacking them. All right. And the attacks are coming from Ukraine. They're coming from the U.S. They're coming from other countries who are participating in this. Uh, so it's coming from multiple sources. So they never know where the attacks are coming from. How's their command and control for cyber coming back at us? Well, they've always been pretty good. Okay. We know that the Russians have a long history of hacking. One of the things that, you know, the Ukrainians say to me um, is that we're really surprised at how ineffective the Russian hackers have been. And I have to agree with them at this point that the Russian hackers have not shown their best work, right? They have not been that effective inside Ukraine nor outside of Ukraine. Um, and I'm not sure if they're holding back if they're um, if they're not sending in the first team yet, right? But we haven't seen anything really sophisticated. We've seen a lot of relatively, you know, low level, you know, uh, social engineering attacks. But you know, I, I don't want to, in any way, shape, or form, to diminish social engineering attacks because most of the great hacks in history had some social engineering yeah. part to them, right? Uh, yeah. Somebody just put on, I think somebody wrote in, they're using interns. <laughs> um, Leonardo. Leonardo. He's always, Leonardo. he's always a trip. Him and Trash Panda are both here. So okay. expect a lot of jokes in chat. It's going to happen. Right. They, <laughs> you know, it may be they're not using their best, their best attackers. Right. Um, and maybe they're holding them out for, you know, some time in the future. But what we've seen in Ukraine and outside of Ukraine has been attacks that have been not that sophisticated nor effective. But I never, you know, one of the cardinal rules of any kind of conflict is you never underestimate your opponent. So I've been encouraging the Ukrainians and the others to 
to watch out. They may be coming on sometime soon with something much more nefarious and much more malicious and much more sophisticated than what we've seen at this point. But what we've seen at this point is not that is not impressive. Okay, but I think that if we over underestimate them, that that will be a mistake. Intern on intern cyber war. Yeah, that's about right. <laughs> we blame our interns for everything. But no, I, I, I look at it this way. And, and let me ask you this question, because a lot of the things, especially when this war first kicked off and, and as things developed uh, along those lines, it turned out or, or from what I've heard. And again, I can be wrong and the media can be wrong and all this other stuff. But a lot of the military and Russians, A, they were unaware of what truly was going on and B they were really unwilling um, to an extent, some of them to participate and being that when you're looking at cyber war and you're looking at cybersecurity, do you feel that those hackers have an insight into what is really going on and are choosing to do what they need to do just to survive, but not to actually cause any real damage? Yeah, that's an interesting point. Um, I haven't really thought about that possibility that they're just basically saying, you know, we we are unwilling to do serious damage because the Ukrainians are our brothers. I mean, we are we are one nation for a hundred years, and they have people have relatives across the border. So there's a lot of of sympathy for the Ukrainians inside of Russia, right? So we've seen some sabotages taking place inside of Russia where people have been sabotaging various um, industry and, and other things. So it's a possibility that the hackers are saying, hey, we don't want to hack Ukraine. But I will tell you this, okay, is that Russia has been hacking Ukraine intensely for a decade, okay, intensely, right? This is not this, – this attack that just took place starting February 24th is an extension of what has been going on for a decade, right? And the Russians have had troops inside of Ukraine since 2014, and they've been attacking Ukraine intensely for that same period of time. So if they had those kinds of sympathies among the hackers, it hasn't shown before, okay? They have, they've shut down the electricity grid twice. They've hacked their ATM machines. They've hacked the uh, finance ministry. They've hacked, you know, on and on and on of the various industries that they've hacked. So the it may be that, one, is that Russia has never come up against an opponent like the world's hackers. I mean, we are... We are something they've never seen before, where all the hackers of the world basically have come together to attack Russia. And I think that they didn't expect that. Also, the Ukrainians are, because they've been under attack for so long, they have learned the tactics okay, of Russia. And they are able to repel those attacks because they've been seeing them for 10 years. And if you were under attack for 10 years, you would learn how to repel the attack. So there's a lot of different possibilities of what's happening here. But in all honesty, there hasn't been a really sophisticated and an impressive attack yet from the Russians, either on the Ukrainians or outside of Ukraine. So... Soon after we got done dosing the whole country, 
the Russians announced that they were going to come after us. And they have been coming after us. They've come after me, like I said, almost every day. But they haven't been effective yet. So we're still waiting. <laughs> we're hoping that they never, that they don't get any more effective or sophisticated. I get, so I get, a, I get attacked. You're not every day. seeing any sophisticating attacks, a la sandworm or anything like that, coming out. Well, you know, sandworm is obviously the most sophisticated group inside of of Russia, and you know, if you look at attacks like the attack that sandworm did against uh, the electricity grid in Ukraine, that's a pretty sophisticated attack. But but it required social engineering as well, right? So they had to social engineer their way in, and then when they got inside, it was a pretty sophisticated attack. But so we haven't yet seen a an attack on the scale that Sandworm is famous for, but I get attacked with social engineering attacks every day, okay? Who's behind those attacks? I don't know, but I suspect a lot of them are coming from Russia, okay? So if I were to fall for one of their social engineering attacks, who knows how sophisticated it would be if I were to fall for it. But I have to be very, very cautious. I mean, that's why I even tell my students that they can't, my students can't send me documents, right? They can't send me pictures <laughs> because, you know, it's too easy to embed code inside of documents and pictures. So you mean you don't want any cobalt strike on your computer? <laughs> no, I, do, I don't want any cobalt strike on my computer, or my or my phone, or anything. Oh, else. come on! The phone would be the best. I want all those pictures, man. Come on. <laughs> so, so Trash Panda did pull this up and, and ask this question: okay. Any possibility they are holding back to avoid giving the U.S. more reason to get involved? I think that's a and, really good point. I think it's a good point. Yeah, and, I think and, that. Go ahead. I was just going to say, and, and with that, you know, there's been a lot of talk about when students fax me the homework. Yeah, that right. sounds like Occupy the Web right there. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so there's been a lot of talk, you know, about when the U.S. would get involved. Right. And, 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 and I, I'll, I'm going to circle back to another question I have eventually, but. You know, if they were to really get sophisticated and really hit the U.S., which, look, let's be honest, we've seen services go down. We've been seeing this shit for years. Our, right. our AWS, our Dyn DNS, you name it, shit goes down. It right. happens. People like to blame it on networking, but the reality of it is I always think it's somebody else that got involved. Um, there have been attacks in the United States from Russia shutting down services. But you'll never hear the U.S. government admit that, okay? Because they don't, want, they, that. they don't want people to know that they're susceptible to the Russians. So if we get an attack like, say, the Colonial Pipeline attack, right, where you know we have entire pipelines shut down in the U.S., it'd be interesting to see how people react to that, right? You know, the politics of that could be... Um, I don't think it'd be unifying. I'm afraid it would not be unifying. I think that people would start blaming each other. Well, we see that a lot now because here's right. here's what happens, and this has been the biggest thing. When when I've thought of cyber war and a true full out full blown cyber war, this is pretty close to that. 
It's it's <laughs> oh yeah, it's definitely getting there. Not mm-hmm. all countries are necessarily involved in the war per se just mm-hmm. yet. But, but they're all involved in the there. cyber war. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um my my take on it has been this for years and decades, ever since cybersecurity and you know exploits and, and bringing down systems is coming about that they've always attributed things immediately like you've seen people come out within less than a day oh this is this country or it's this group or it's this right. nation state or, or whatever the case may be i'm sorry with all of the advancements and vpns and everything else there is no way within 30 minutes of looking at a malware to know who did it yeah there's no way there's no way and, um, and, and you see articles in nation states come out with that about, oh, it was this country, or it was this country, or it was this if you, country. If you follow it six months later, or a year later, two years later, they go, oh, well, we're not really sure. <laughs> yeah. You know? yeah. It could it could have been North Korea, but there's also indications that it could have been what have you. So, like, for instance, the Sony attack is a good example. The Sony attack a few years ago, I don't know, what was that, six years ago or so? I when think, the, yeah. About when Sony... Uh, when Sony got attacked, supposedly by North Korea, the immediately the FBI attributed to North Korea. And then if you started reading over the next year or two, it becomes pretty clear it was not North Korea. All right. It yeah. may have been an insider attack. And so, you know, sometimes what they'll use to attribute an attack is really um less than convincing evidence and the evidence that was north korea in that particular attack was that it had it was using some malware that had been used by north korea in the past but you know that malware is available to all of us right you know so anybody could anybody could take that same malware and use it um you know it could be russian malware it could be north korean malware i've got it i use it does that mean it comes from north korea no right so oftentimes that's the way that they attribute an attack is by the malware where that's not necessarily a good way of attributing um the source of an attack yeah definitely and they've used language and things of that nature as well like oh they spoke in this way or they say these things or, or whatever the case may be but there's really ultimately no true way that i can think of um unless you know the absolute source of a malware that really did come from another country to know who did it i i have not i with with translators and everything else out there i cannot think of a way to really think of how to attribute something to another country unless you're talking prior to proxies and vpn hold on my sim told me it was coming from North Korea, and my PewPew <laughs> map, maps had him coming from North Korea. Okay, yeah. so stop. <laughs> for anybody that's watching this show for educational purposes, I that was a joke. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it is. It is very intriguing, and I've always laughed at. Um, you know, when, when people attribute things within like the first day or two, I'm like, really, do you, do you really know that? No, um, but I before don't. I move on, Susan Wesley, who is on LinkedIn and I cannot write comments to LinkedIn. She says, hi, how's it going? Hi, Susan. She is the owner of, um, the gear that I wear on occasion securities every once in a while. You'll see it. 
Um, so securitystar.com. So make sure you go ahead and check out her swag and merchandise. It's amazing. Um, but yeah, I do think that Cyber War is going to be intriguing. Um, they do leave comments, though, Jess. They leave comments in their code, but they don't tell us necessarily who, who they are. The reason that we call that hacking group in Russia Sandworm is because they leave references to Dune in their code, uh -huh. right? That's, that's why they're called Sandworm. But do you know they're from Russia? Well, we don't know that, but we can, we can, we have a pretty good idea that they are Russian. We have a pretty good idea. <laughs> Coach, Russian, Russian hacker, bro. bro. <laughs> 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 I love it. Trash Panda always coming in with the comedy. <laughs> so, so I do, do got to ask though, this has always been a fear of mine with cyber war in and of itself um jay data oh god don't get me don't no start. no don't start no let's not start on We're that i'm gonna do the hate tonight <laughs> um when when it comes to cyber war and this has been my fear and this was kind of my fear all along with us and and with many of the um hacking community that truly do go on the offense of getting involved in the russian ukraine conflict is when you start going after an entire country and bringing down systems a lot of the citizens are unaware and do not want to be involved, right? right. Mm -hmm. So when you start bringing down certain systems and getting involved in that type of situation, and this is the biggest problem with cyber warfare, unlike kinetic warfare where you can see what you're doing and who you're hitting and the targets you're going after, mm -hmm. you don't necessarily get to see that in a cyber war, right? <laughs> you bring down a power grid. Are you bringing down a hospital? Are you bringing down systems that are of living necessity to the residents. So what is the thought process and the aftermath of doing something like that, especially when you're looking at something like a DOS attack? Well, yeah, in a DOS attack, right, you, it's, it, we can DOS IP addresses, right? And knowing pretty much certainty what those IP addresses are, right? If you're just saturating the internet, and then it can affect everybody, right? Um, but now that we're at the stage of going after individual facilities, we know what the facilities are, right? Those facilities are pretty well documented. We know what they are, what they're manufacturing. Um, and so in that kind of, in this stage right now, it's not, there's a lot less risk of taking down um, a hospital or anything like that that has some, impact upon uh, innocent human beings. But at the same time, you know, we have to recognize that Russia has not respected that in Ukraine. Russia is, is, is sending rockets into hospitals, into right. schools, into, right? So I, I would agree with you that that stuff should all be off limits. As a matter of fact, it is off limits by the Geneva Convention, right? But but Russia is not respecting that. They are killing innocent people, right? At some point, I don't know what point that is, but sometimes you have to fight fire with fire. And I'm, I'm hoping that doesn't arrive, okay? But if they keep on sending missiles into schools and hospitals, you know, how can you ask the Ukrainians? I think I lost you, babe. I don't know if you can hear 
um, but but we lost you. But um, so while he's he's off and until he comes back, um, yeah, I understand what he's saying, and that's been a big um, to do. And when you're looking at kinetic warfare, and you're you're looking at different situations, you have to worry about those things. Right. Um, there's a. Is he back? I'm back. Okay. So, yeah, so go ahead and continue what you were saying. We, well, we uh, basically, I was saying what I was saying is that you know is that the Russians have not respected Geneva Conventions and they are targeting innocent people. You know, the Ukrainians, okay, and the hackers of the world have been complying with Geneva Convention. You know, we have not gone after hospitals and innocent people. We've gone after industrial facilities, but, you know, we're not blowing up those industrial facilities. If we were to blow up those industrial facilities, then that's a whole different ball game, right? And that's not that hard to do, right? Once you start messing with a, a chemical plant or a refinery, you get inside and you start changing the settings in there. It's not that hard to have that thing blow up, right? And we haven't done that, right? So we have basically put wrenches inside many of their facilities, but we are not, we're not blowing them up. So, so far, I would say that, you know, the, the hackers of the world have been respectful of Geneva Conventions. And I think the Ukrainians, for the most part, have been respectful of Geneva Conventions. But I understand your point about once you start going in and just hacking randomly, that innocent people can get hurt. Now, at the same time, let's think about this. You know, part of what the problem here is, is that Russia is a dictatorship, right? And the people don't have a say in their leadership. Now, you can you can make points about the U.S. and the West, okay, about the, the lack of say that the individual has in the leadership <laughs> you know you can, oh, you can make looking at derek because he... i'm just laughing I, I, don't i i keep you know me i keep my mouth shut on these topics i'm gonna let it go okay well, we'll <laughs> I, I will just i'm just touching on that and saying that that putin putin is a dictator there's nobody even his own leadership can't even influence him all right and so what, we, what we're hoping at some point is that the Russian people get upset enough with how it's impacting them in everyday life so that if they don't, like, think about Americans. If they didn't, couldn't go to the gas station and get gas, if they couldn't go to the grocery store and get milk because of a war that their leadership was conducting, people would be very unhappy very quickly. You know, this is not like World War II where everybody's, oh, we got a great war to fight, so we all have to sacrifice. You know, Americans would get very upset if I could if I had if I couldn't get gas for my car because of this war. And right, right now, Americans are very upset that they're paying 60% more for gas, right? Because of this war. I'm right? just gonna say one two words toilet paper. Toilet paper. <laughs> Last three years, everybody's like, oh, it's toilet paper. Okay. I know. It's like a crisis. It's a major crisis. We can't get toilet paper. I'll just go out to the woods and bury it. I'm good. I'm all right. <laughs> so I'll take a shower after. You know, the U.S. would have invested in bidets back during, like, the World Wars where they first found out about them. As opposed to uh -huh. making toilet paper common, um, we'd be in a lot better shape. I'm just saying. I'll throw that out there. 
We wouldn't have no. to worry okay. about toilet paper at least. <laughs> well, you, do, you don't need a bidet. You just go out to your hose. There you go. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> All right. I'm Use out. Your garden. Use your garden hose. <laughs> <laughs> but but no, it is. It's 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 crazier that these things are going on. But so many people. <laughs> for a walk look i don't do that in my woods i go to somebody else's, don't worry um, <laughs> but it's it's crazy to think about because here's the thing and here's the biggest thing for me as much resiliency as people say the u.s has um when it comes to cyber war and cyber warfare and a lot of people say that whether or not we do i will say they're wrong what do you mean by resiliency what are your resiliency. what do you I think if I truly think if a targeted attack and, and if, if we were under attack versus Ukraine, let's say, mm-hmm. especially with someone like China, Russia, North Korea, launching true cyber warfare, not just, hey, let's attack this company or this company, but a true cyber war against our industry and our critical infrastructure. I don't know if we could handle it. I truly don't. I I would have I would have agreed with you. Before this war, I would have agreed with you before this war, because I think what we've seen is we've seen an all-out assault. Okay, maybe not, maybe not a hundred percent, but we've seen an assault against Ukraine from the Russians, and they're holding up. You know, they're holding up, and that that's kind of surprising to me. It's surprising to everybody that the Ukrainian industry is holding up against the Russian attackers. And that's why the Ukrainians are saying to me that these guys ain't shit. You know, these guys, they, they've got a great reputation, but we've been able to repel everything they have put thrown at us. But again, that comes down to, are they truly trying? And no, I don't know. Fear is it is a, I don't know. I, I don't know. If really they trying. are being, uh, they are being, they are going easy at this point, going easy on them. Why would they because go easy on Ukraine? Why would they go easy on why? Ukraine? What would be the strategy? Maybe they don't yeah. believe in the fight. Okay, that's the point you made earlier, right? Is that they don't they don't believe in the fight, so they're not going one hundred percent at it. I mean, no, they're doing part. what they can to keep to keep the dictator off their ass. Yeah, I, that's, I, that's, I, that's I, point. Let me I, try to put a go ahead. comment here in the least unclassified way I can. <laughs> A lot of the Russian, to avoid attribution to their GRU and other military organizations, they use the concept of outsourced hacking. They do. So they put out their hits on the forum boards mm-hmm. and people take the jobs, if you will. And that's right. how their first line of attack usually, and I'm trying to generalize this. So when we were talking about interns, we're probably talking about people who are taking jobs to attack. Right. So I don't think, like you said, that they're called their, you know, NSA, Army Cyber qualified people are doing the attacks. Why would they hold them back? What would be the rationale for them to hold back GRU and and saying because they're not attacking a nation state um, of a magnitude? You know, they know that 
yeah, I mean, we're they're being supported by other organizations, but um, they're not attacking a U.S. or a U.K. or an Australia or something like that. But they so threw why, they threw why, their best attackers at Ukraine in 2014, 2015, 2016. They sent their best attackers at Ukraine oh, yeah. then. Why would they not now? Because they're at war now, and back then they weren't declared at war. Hmm. And so they were, again, and, and it comes down to money. When you have no money to spend for your hackers, how are you going to pay them? They got money. Because think they about gotta, it, your GRU and all them people are they've got money. paid hackers. And yeah, but they got money because they, they're still, the Europeans are still buying their gas and they're bringing in billions of dollars a day, okay, from gas. So they're, they're able to spend money. And oftentimes the contract hackers in Russia aren't paid directly in cash. They're paid in kudos. They're paid in, okay, we now recognize that you are good and you're in a good graces of Putin and the GRU and maybe that means you'll get a paid job in the future but and oftentimes these hackers don't get paid in Russia well well in, in trash man to put it up here how many of their mercs were Ukrainian or any other nation that yeah, was just that's going a, after people and now they're not willing to go to war for them well I'm gonna I'm going to take that into consideration but I just I I just but I hear really, what you're saying I just have a hard time saying they they threw their best hackers at Ukraine in for the last eight years, and then all of a sudden they're not going to send their best hackers in. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I just it. But in all honesty, what we have seen from Russia since February twenty fourth is unimpressive. Okay, is unimpressive. I don't disagree because, well, well, let's look at it this way: a lot of ransomware comes from well, what they say. Came comes from Russia, North Korea, yeah. China. Colonial pipeline probably did came from Russia. Yeah. So I have seen attacks on hospitals, mm-hmm. but at the same time, I've seen those people get told they're dealing with a hospital and pull out and be like, "Nope, mm-hmm. here's your shit. We don't want to go. We we nope. We're not we're not playing that game." Uh, but then I've seen other ransomware at hospitals where they're like, ah, "I don't give a fuck." Right. There's been care. a lot of ho- there's been a lot of hospitals who have been taken down by ransomware and have paid some handsome ransoms. But it's it's nice to know that there are some hackers out there who have a heart. <laughs> well, and that was my thing. So so mm-hmm. before uh, at, we're we're about midway through. So I do want to get into your books, especially the new one that you're 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 just releasing. But I want to touch on that because one of my things was back when I first started looking at a lot of the ransomware going on. And when the first few hospitals were hit was that I always thought hackers had more of a, I, not only do I, not necessarily do I want money, but they had a morality of, I'm going to go after corporate, right? Mm-hmm. If you're going to attack America, you're going to go after corporate America. You're going to right. go after, you know, whether it be the government IRS or whatever, or the, the credit system or Sony or these huge corporations that are within America, you're going to go after them. Mm-hmm. You want the money. And then to see that now they're going after schools, hospitals, and right. shit that actually affects the lower populace. Not right. corporate America now. Now you're not fucking with corporate America. You're messing with people's lives in their daily living in terms of um, just general health and welfare. Yeah. 
And that has started to bother me. And that ate at me, I think it was last year when, when I first saw that, you know, hackers were like, hey, we're doing this and we don't give a fuck anymore. Well, like any segment of society, we have a variety of types of people, right? Hackers are not above, you know, just just going for the bucks, and some of them have morals, ethics, and and a heart. So and it's all variety in between. So I I just I haven't seen necessarily a change as much as this variety has always been out there. And when you're talking about nation state actors, nation state actors don't care. I mean, they they're right. getting paid. They're getting paid by the government to attack whoever, whatever that they're ordered to attack. Like the Russians turning out the right. electricity, turning out the electricity in Christmas time in Ukraine. Right? They turned off the electricity at Christmas time in Ukraine. That impacted everybody from the rich to the poor. And uh, you know there was no ethics involved in that, other than trying to do damage to the Ukrainians. Yeah, and and I completely understand that, and that's that's one of the things. Again, nation states are one thing, but when you're looking at individual or APTs and things like that that do it for a, I can fucking do this, and I don't care what you say, and b right. the money. I I've always looked at it at least if you're going to go after money, do it with a moral code. Right. You don't go after hospitals. You don't go after schools um, that affect kids and you don't affect, you know, the health and welfare of people. Now, financially hurting people is one thing. But if you're truly going to go after somebody, look, I've said this from the get go. I honestly wish hackers would go after the, the credit bureaus and the student loan companies. I'm just saying. <laughs> um, I'm not going to do it, but I wish they would. Uh, have you have, bring them all down? Have you watched Mister? <laughs> have you watched Mister Robot? <laughs> I, I I watched a little bit of look. I I can't touch on Mister Robot just because when they started getting to him being really big into drugs, like his anti-anxiety and 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 <laughs> ODing and and just like dealing too much with drugs, I couldn't deal with it. Um, yeah. But well, it's it, it essentially was too stereotypical. Too too much of a stereotype. He, he took down the biggest corp corporation in america and and it collapsed the world economy so he's he was one of those hackers who said my job is to change the world and uh, he went after the biggest target that was available there you go so so on that note though because of the things you're doing and yes like i said the one of the other topics of this show was going to be your books because i've been doing videos like i said i took a break this week um just because I got to deal with the Wi-Fi situation to make sure I have it set up for Wi-Fi. Um, and last week I did, I ain't going to lie, man. I bypassed the Raspberry Pi um, section of Chapter 13 for uh, Linux Basics for Hackers just because I can't find my Raspberry Pi. So <laughs> You're um, cheap, you can buy one. <laughs> I, you know, that's if they have them in stock. Let's be honest. Okay. Um, I've got so a few of them around that, here though, though, Linux basics for hackers. What really spawned you, you know, the idea for you to write that book? Well, at the time I I was writing it is that I was training hackers for the U.S. military and U.S. intelligence, and and I, you know, the military and intelligence would send me some very talented people, and some of them were pretty young, and some of them were older, wide variety of ages. But 
very often I'd get into a classroom teaching them and many people had never really seen Linux. And so I started teaching my classes by doing like a day of introductory Linux just to get them prepared of how to use Linux. And so that's what spurred the idea behind the book is that these were intelligent, talented people who've been working with Macs and Windows systems their whole life. And all they needed to do was to get a decent introduction to Linux, just the basics. I mean, it's a very small book. It's only mm -hmm. 200 pages, right? I tried, chapters. I tried to keep it small. That was the whole point. It's like, let's keep it. I mean, we've all seen books, you know, Linux books that are 1,000 pages or more, right? And nobody ever reads those books. <laughs> so, I mean, they use, they use them as reference, but they don't read them. I designed Linux Basics for Hackers to be read, right, from cover to cover. It's only 200 pages, and at the end of it, you'll have a good grasp of Linux that you can go then on to doing Kali or Parrot or what have you and start doing some hacking. But if you don't know how to use Linux, you really are lost where how to do Linux. And, and I kept on running against these really uh, talented people who didn't know anything about Linux. So, you know, I started, I wrote a, you know, a small handbook initially for them. Right. And then it ended up becoming a, uh, it became the book from No Starch Press. Yeah. And it's been a great book. Look, I, I got to be honest. So a lot of people talked about your YouTube or, or videos that you've done in your classes and stuff, but I didn't know about any of that. Um, I honestly bought your book and, and started, um, going through it and I got so far and then wrote my first bash script and kind of like got away from it. Mm -hmm. Um, and then as I've been going through it again, it's been amazing. And I have honestly loved being able to do the videos and be able to promote a, your book and b just the fact that this information is out there. And it's very fundamental. It's very, very basic information that especially if you're going to get it into is. security, you should know. Exactly. I think it's something that everybody who's getting into cybersecurity should read first. Because if you don't know Linux, you really can't do cybersecurity. Right? I mean, some people will disagree with me, and that's fine. Right? I mean, there well, are some areas, some areas of cybersecurity that some, we need the technical stuff. Exactly. But if you're going to do offensive security, if you're going to do attacking, like if you're going to do hacking, you really need to have a basics of Linux. And that's what I wrote the book for, is that for those people who want to, you know, who want to go into offensive security, then you need to have some basic understanding of Linux. And I tried to keep the book really small and really simple so that people could go through the entire book and you know, not get overwhelmed by you know, so much material, so much information. I gave you the essentials, only the essentials, nothing more, <laughs> so that you could go through it in, in maybe a week you know, and, and come out of that week and really have a, a firm grasp of the essentials of Linux. You're not going to be a system administrator, but you're going to know how to operate in a Linux environment. That's entirely what it was designed for, and hopefully it does that. Yeah, and for technical people, like you said, it is essential that you learn the OS. 
you know, because if you don't know as an offensive person, you're going to use Linux a lot. I mean, mm-hmm. most of the most of the technology to do things is Linux based. And on the defensive side, if you don't know, you know, how to defend a operating system, most server operating systems are Linux. So most IoT systems are Linux, right? Almost every, almost all those Internet of Things all have little Linux kernels in them, right? Whether it be a baby monitor or a router or whatever it happens to be, they all have a Linux kernel in them. Usually they have a Raspberry Pi. <laughs> in some cases, they do. And, and so, and that is, you know, you touched on something is the offensive side. And, and even I would venture to say the blue team side um, is having a basic understanding of Linux, especially as it gets more and more ingrained in some of our networks. Yes, a lot of your desktops and a lot of your servers still are primarily Microsoft. Let's be honest, whether it's Azure Cloud or, or, you know, Active Directory, whatever the case may be. But you're seeing more and more Linux get out there um, from a corporate side for servers and for different things. So understanding how these things operate, how the, the, the system works and the file structure and some of the basic commands can do nothing but benefit you. So for those who are afraid of it, I would say pick up Linux basics for hackers and learn it, to be honest. <laughs> I think that's good advice. <laughs> Not just from the standpoint of making money, but it is from what I have seen, just a base, a, a slim down you hold, you understanding. Hold it up as you say this, it's, it's over there. You I can't go get Linux. it. Right. <laughs> but I just from a basic understanding Linux of the file pretty. structure and just some of the commands and and understanding. I've I've had to deal with Red Hat now. You don't deal with the, the Red Hat side of things. No. But the file structure is the same. It's just installing packages is different. Right. That's definitely the difference. There's other differences too. But once again, we couldn't cover everything. And we just, right. we're, we're working from a Cali perspective. But one thing you said that I just do want to correct you on, and about half of the web servers in the world are Linux. Okay. About half. Right. right in the okay. And, and, and the, Militaries, okay, at least their servers are all run off Linux or Unix, right? So the, the US military is like the biggest customer, okay, for Unix systems. They are they almost run everything, all their servers are Unix servers. Um, and the same thing with Russia as well. So, you know, if you're going to attack a Linux Unix system, you got to know how they work. Right? You can't you can't expect to be successful in attacking a system that you've never seen before. You have no idea what is how it's working. Yeah, for sure. And and of course, yeah. Eric had to bring up Arch, asshole. <laughs> um, <laughs> but no, and it is, and really, there is a lot of diff- There's minor differences. I, I won't even say major. You know, it, it, there are some minor differences between the different distributions. There are. Mainly the underlying kernel, um, but overall, Linux is going to be a major player. Windows yep. is already, you know, merged essentially with Canonical and Ubuntu. Um, they already have a Kali Linux WSL. Um, right. It's, yep, they do. Shut up, Eric. Get it right. Mm-hmm. Oh, you owe me. <laughs> <laughs> 
So, so they're doing these things. So Linux is becoming more and more prevalent. Even and, PowerShell has been open source to go to Linux itself. Yeah, and PowerShell, you can use Linux commands in PowerShell, right? Yep. They, they've aliased, you know, the Linux commands in PowerShell. So you can use your Linux commands there as well. And quite frankly, I think the Linux commands are simpler than those damn PowerShell commands. <laughs> Dude, I love the Linux command. I get into PowerShell and use LS. Right, exactly. 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 I use my Linux commands in PowerShell because I don't like the PowerShell commands. I hate PowerShell commands. They are so, mm -hmm. I, they make sense, but it's so long. Yes. Like invoke web request or IWR, if you can remember that they can use acronyms, which yes, get, child, acronyms. get child item. <laughs> get, get, get child item. Look, give me wget and uh, locate and find. Um, yes. Those are pretty basic and pretty simple to know. Um, curl equals invoke web request yes yes ls equals get child item yeah leonardo look hey you're gonna do a powershell class homie because uh i need to <laughs> i need some advice well that, that's that's what i was in linux you can go ls in powershell you got to type get child item hmm. my favorite though i will say this oh uh, here's dancing granny <laughs> so my favorite is the fact that there are those aliases, right? So with Linux and the ability to build aliases. Now, if you could do it in PowerShell, please somebody drop it in the comments um, or in the chat that you can do aliases. But that has been my favorite thing about Linux is like if I want to do ls-lha, I literally just create an alias that says like ll or lh or I forget what it, what it normally is. But I just put that in and that's right. my alias in my bash shell. <laughs> or or Z shell now is what everything runs. Which, by the way, um, buddy, I gotta I gotta tell you, Kali is now running Z shell by default. So some of those commands need change. Start yeah. out there. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I uh, in the new new Kali, they're running Z shell. Yeah. Thing yeah. is, is that so, I, I I usually run the old Kali's. I I'm I'm really slow at updating. I I like some of the older operating systems, and so. I've still got 20, I got 19, 20, 21 on my machine. And so I run them all. I yeah, have, I, I have too. VMs for Backtrack and Kali and Black Arch and ParrotSec. Like I've got VMs for almost every year of every operating system hidden on some drive. Right. I'm like, if this shit don't work, I'm going to pull it from somewhere and make it work. Right. If because sometimes. Here, Right. Sometimes, sometimes the updates, you know, they take away capabilities, right? And it doesn't yeah. work when you, you know, you, you've got something working and you've, you're in, you're in a pen test and you know that this particular Kali, that this functionality works, you know, why would I want to go ahead and bring in the new one that I don't know works? <laughs> and so when I'm in a, in, when I'm working in a pen test, I'm not going to be using a brand new version of Kali. I'm going to be using one that I know is going to work for me. Yeah. And I learned that years ago when I was going for my CEH. I went through a boot camp with InfoSec Institute. Keytron Evans was my instructor. Uh -huh. And when I, I looked at his VM list, and this man was awesome, he had Backtrack, Kali, and probably about three or four other operating systems there. And mm -hmm. everything he did was out of Backtrack 4. 
with a pearl shell on top of that. Right. And I was like, I was like, dude, why, A, why do you have so many operating systems? And B, why are you still running Backtrack? And he's <laughs> the one that laid it out for me. And he was like, because sometimes the newer operating systems break shit that used to work in the older ones. Exactly. I'll just say, oh, shit. Pearl was the shit, man. I hate Pearl. I hate (laughs) Pearl and I hate Ruby. Get that shit out of here. Give me Python all day. Do you know that uh, (laughs) InfoSec Infosec got sold? InfoSec Institute got sold to Pearson Pearson recently. I know Keytron as well. Keytron is a good guy and uh, a good hacker. Keytron's my buddy. Yeah, and uh, I agree with Keytron 100% about that. What I do is if if I do a tutorial or a video with an old version of of um cali i get so many comments from the youngsters who say why are you using a three-year-old yeah. operating system you know why don't you use the latest and greatest well, say this because it works because it yeah. works right <laughs> exactly. I, and i won't pull out look like for your videos or for the videos i've been doing on your book yes i'm using one of the newest ones i think it's 2201 or i forget what version it is um but yeah it's the newer one with z shell and everything right but it allowed me to create a video that for the newer people that are using the newer os for kali mm-hmm. i was able to create something for them right um and actually i did a live where even the sql commands weren't the same and i was like holy shit even sql changed wow Fuck, i don't know how to make this work <laughs> and i had someone chime in like hey run this command and i was like Okay. Oh shit, that worked. Okay, cool. Let's yeah. go with it. So, so it's amazing to see that, and people don't realize that it is good to have multiple years and multiple editions of an operating system. You don't have to run them all. You don't have to use them all. You just keep them on the back burner for if something you know work doesn't work, spring up the old one and run it. I would and agree with work. you. I would agree a hundred percent with you on that. So I, I, I got to ask, though, I see you're coming out with a new book. What's it called? Well, I've come in now with a couple of books. Come, I've, uh, <laughs> So I've got Network Basics for Hackers coming out this fall. And it's kind of it's kind of networking for the cyber warrior. You know, it's kind of it's kind of, it's, it's intended to be. I saw that. You used my stupid. hashtag, asshole. That's stupid. <laughs> <laughs> We already it's, had dummies guides. Now you dummy dead even more. Uh, not, it's, it's probably a little higher than a dummy guide. The idea is to do for Linux, do for networking what we did for Linux, and that is to show how the protocols work and then how they can be broken. Right. So that's the idea is that, okay, these are the protocols. Here's how they work. Here's how you can build, for instance, an SMTP server in Linux, and then here's how you can break it. Here's the volu- here's the vulnerabilities in that particular um, uh, protocol. The book with I- No Starch Press called uh, A Cyber Warrior Handbook. That'll be coming out next year. Why is everybody taking my shit? <laughs> I, 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 think, I think I was using that term before you were. Actually, I think the military <laughs> was using it before both of us. Just yeah, maybe, that. maybe. <laughs> They're so hard to beat on SEO, the assholes. <laughs> but, but I will say this: Look, hey, um, any books you come out with and want to send me, I will do videos on. I'm just okay. 
I'll do that. I'll put that out there. Um, but I do love the fact that you are doing a networking one because I think as a community and as a red team, blue team type of thing, we have kind of foregone the networking side of things and looked at more web app and more right. how can we break an application and do bug bounties and things like that and forgotten that things like DNS, port zero, all right. these all these things can lead to exploitation that we don't realize. Especially, I don't care if you're running DNSSEC. If you're running DNSSEC, that just means I can encrypt my shit coming over your, over your line. <laughs> yes. Well, especially you start talking about from a cyber warrior perspective, because when you start knocking out DNS, you know, then you're talking about affecting a large number of a large area, a large number of people. You know, when you talk about applications, you're talking about individuals. Um, but if you can knock out SMTP, like for instance, the Chinese hacked almost all, not almost all, many of the IS servers, was it last year? And uh, I mean, they they had almost all of the the SMTP servers, the the Microsoft SMTP servers hacked, and the FBI actually had to come in and clear them all out. I don't know if you remember that, right? So that was um, that's kind of nation state stuff, and that's kind of where my interest lies in is in nation state attacks, not necessarily against individual individuals or companies but instead in what right. would be useful in a type of cyber war right right which makes sense because in the long run when you're looking at individuals they are going to they're going to kind of attack what they they, they kind of have a grudge against right so whether that be sony or movies or, or game companies when you look at like cd project red and things like that um, yeah, some of those may have done by been done by like nation state organizations, but in the reality, they were just pissed off. Yeah, that's, that's, that's all it was. It was a pissed off group that was just like, you know what? We're just going to fuck with you today. Um, but I think the nation state is where we really have to concentrate because as a country, regardless of what country you're in, that is who is going to bring down your infrastructure. That yes. is going to affect your SCADA and your ICS and mm -hmm. your OT and your IOT and, and all these individual things on a massive scale. Right. Not a single organization, a massive scale. It's your nation states that are going to bring it all down. Right. And that's my focus. And, and so with that, I would say, you know, so you have, damn, so many books coming out now. Oh, my God, you're going to give me a lot of work to do. <laughs> <laughs> no one uses the Cyber Papas because you are the one and only Cyber Papa, Cyber Papa. El Senor Jefe de Seguridad. But, yeah, man, it's it's crazy because I look at what you're doing. And I've, I, at one point, I thought about writing educational material, and I can't do it. Um, I, I think differently. I just don't have the temperament and the patience to do it. Um, I will take somebody else's works like your own and promote it and, and do my own videos, but I cannot write my own. It's just never going to happen. Um, so kudos to you and, and all the credit in the world. 
for what you've done because you have truly done a lot for this career field. I don't know if you even realize how much you've done. Well, thanks. Thank you. I appreciate that. Did you hear the clap? I did hear the clap. Thank you. I had applause. Yay! Well, you know, it, 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 grew, it grew out of a real-life experience. You know, I just I didn't write the book, you know, just because I wanted to write a book. It grew out of what I saw was needed from the people that I was working with. And so that's, you know, I think, you know, I, I saw a need that was out there. I wrote a book to fill a need. So hopefully I'm glad that it's it's uh, people are are enjoying it and using it and it's filling uh, a need within the community. Yeah, it does. Yeah, definitely. And it is. It is is very much needed um, because there are too many books are like a thousand pages, two thousand pages, five hundred pages, eight hundred pages. Look, if I'm not reading no, a nobody will read it. takes me away <laughs> from this world. I can't read books that long that are educational. Right. Exactly. I didn't read my school books, let alone a book on Linux. That's if you it know, doesn't have any pictures, she doesn't have read it. it. That's why I mean, if he doesn't have any pictures, you don't read it. Occupy the web has pictures. I read his. Oh wait, it has pictures and I read it. Okay, I get you. I get you. Okay, makes sense. My point. <laughs> but no, and, and and it's crazy. I do. I love what you're doing, man. And and kudos. And I hope that you continue to do things like this for the community because it truly does help. Um, I, I whether or not you see it, and even keep it techie says it's definitely a great book your your Linux basics for hackers so um truly thank you so before highly recommend becoming one of his students yes if you he does have he wants a pop-up book fuck you kev tech <laughs> <laughs> so so i truly do say this before we go you look man if you have any final words please let it go whether it's on the cyber war or your books or whatever else promote whatever you want say whatever you want let it go Okay, well, I, first of all, I want to thank you for inviting me here. It's been a, it's been very enjoyable and uh, get a chance to meet both of you and talk with your you and your community. Um, I think it's it's um, important that as cyber warriors that we pay attention to what's going on in the world. Okay, and this war between Russia and Ukraine is maybe more significant than you recognize this this thing actually has potential to end up being much more serious than it actually is right now and if you really are interested in doing something significant to make for a better world here's your opportunity you have the skills right you have skills that very few people in the world have right there's not that many hackers in the world folks there's a far fewer hackers than there are doctors right there's far fewer hackers than there are doctors in the world okay and if you want to do something significant you want to make for a better world this is your opportunity okay we need to stop russia now okay that's i'm done then. <laughs> and that deserves another <laughs> and thank you very much for being here. Thanks for inviting me, for guys. Sure. Yeah, man, it, it's been a pleasure. Eric, before we go, go ahead, man. 
Well, let me to practice the skills that Occupy have been talking all day long. We have a new thing from Raices, and you see, we're doing Warriors in Spanish, Guerreros. So we have a CTF happening next weekend, July 22. We're raising funds because we're going to bring the Raices Cyber Competition Team to the Global Cyber Games on the 11th of August at the HyperX Arena in Las Vegas. So come and see us on all our social media, Raices Cyber Org on Twitter, Um, and the information to register is going to be there. If not, reach out to me. It's $20 to enter. It's for fundraising for the team. So come enjoy, do a cyber um, CTF with us. And we're going to be there all weekend long next week. Then tomorrow afternoon, we have another great hacker, uh, Philip Wiley, joining us on the Discord. Um, he's going to do an intro to um, pen testing at 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on our Discord. So uh, Cyber Warrior put up the um, Twitter again. All the information for all of these things are on the Raises Cyber Org. And... That's um, that's going to be amazing. A couple of activities that are happening for the community. So come see us, come join us. And again, let me, for me, tell Occupy, thank you very much for being here. It's been a great show. I've enjoyed it a lot. So thank you again, man. All right. Thanks for having me. I enjoyed it. Yeah, definitely. And, and you know, this has been Security Happy Hour. And as always, we have amazing people on every week, every Friday. We are here live at 7 p.m. Eastern time. So I hope in the coming weeks you continue to chime in, continue to join us, and get in on the discussion because it is not going to change. This is what we do. This is who we are. But I do have a new podcast coming out also in the next coming week. So keep your eyes peeled on my Twitter. It'll be there and LinkedIn and everywhere else. But hey. As always, I love you all. Please, I beg of you, take care. Enjoy yourself. Enjoy your weekend. And I will catch you all in the next one. Love you. Thanks, guys.